going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. It's Jets-Lions week, December football. We're finally here. We're in mid-December, and we're actually talking about a playoff race. And the Jets Crazy. and the Lions are in the thick of it. Um, Danny Essien, Turn on the Jets, draft season. You know, one of, uh, the, you know, basically did all of the draft season, Turn on the Jets, and uh, Badlands draft season, guys. Everything you'd want, plus loves the trenches. Dan, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. It is wild to think about the fact that both of these teams are in the thick of it. It's, it, it's wild. Yeah, and we were. I've heard it a couple of times. It's probably not an original take at this point, although I think I was the first person to put it out on, on Twitter. But this is probably the low-key best matchup of the week. I yes. know there's Giants, Commanders, technically teams that have better records, and it's a division, but they're competing for third place there's a good chance neither team makes the playoffs. So I guess you could right. say that, but not really an exciting brand of football from the Giants. You got Niners Seahawks tonight as we're recording. Um, I think that one might get ugly the way that the Niners run the football and the way the Seahawks cannot defend the run. Yeah. And then the other big matchups, obviously, uh, you know, Bill's Dolphins, which we'll get into kind of towards the end. As much on paper as that's a fun matchup, um, not so sure at the elements we're going to be, it's going to be as quite as fun. I know it's all cool. Mike McDaniel wants it to be colder, and you know he's he's portraying that not to make a big deal of the weather. Um, I know it snows in Alabama, according to Tua. Uh, it's a little different in you know Western New York, but there's a much bigger game from a Jets perspective to focus on. Jets Lions. The Lions are red hot right now. They're the darlings of the NFL media, rightfully so. Um, you know, being down in now Mobile for the Senior Bowl was fun to watch the Lions coaching staff. I thought. The Jets ran a much sharper practice, and I, I think I was pretty brutally honest about that. I think they got there with an intention. And if you look at their draft, uh, it, there's a reason you could see that. Yeah. Um, but the Lions are you're performing well. They are a dome team, and they are a team that's built on high-powered vertical you know, offense and not at the greatest defense we've ever seen, although led by Aaron Glenn, Jets legend. Um, what are your initial impressions of this game? I guess like we'll start there. This matchup because it's exciting, strength versus strength, kind of weakness yeah. versus weakness. Yeah, I love the balance of it. Uh, it's going to be really, really interesting. Just some great matchups everywhere. Uh, obviously, particularly in the trenches, it's going to be it's going to be a, like a uh, I forget what there's a term that uh, uh, that they used to use, but uh, the the only other one that comes to mind that, that I can actually remember is slobber knocker or whatever. <laughs> like. They're just gonna be slugging each other, man. Like uh, Panay Sewell's matchups. I, I'm hoping to get a Sewell Clemens one on one at some point, just to like probably see what explosions happen there. But uh, uh, yeah, it's just gonna be such a great matchup in the trenches, and also like on the outside, Okuda versus Wilson. Uh, just like so many really cool individual and group matchups all over the field. Uh, and like you said, there's a lot of strength versus strength. Uh, Lions offensive line is great. Lions uh, kind of have the same type of mindset from the coaching staff down of just like just grit out the game so like yeah it feels like a a nice like stylistic but also matchup game in terms of uh what's going on on the field yeah i want to i want to run through this and we kind of want to get into this because there's always everyone always says you know oh dome team i've said it and everyone said a million times dome team outside x y and z jared goff outside 
I just want to hit on these two, these, well, three, really three stats. I want you to guess. I don't know if you've seen this stat. Jared Goff has 22 touchdowns this year. How many of them do you think are at home? Oh, I haven't seen this. Uh, Your brain's going to explode. I'm going to say 15. Nope, 20 of the 22. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's what? I think four, four of the seven picks are at home. I mean, on the road. Um, just a couple wow. other stats. The Jets, weirdly, are actually one of the most balanced home and road teams. I guess you could say that's a good thing or a bad thing, but people can use that for whatever they may. They're right. three and three at home, four and three on the road. They averaged almost 22 a game at home, 19, 19 and a half at home. On the road, they have 19 a game. They score 18 when they give up. They're pretty pretty even. They've scored virtually the same amount of touchdowns. We kind of know what we expect of the Jets. Their defense actually travels a little bit better, although they did play the Ravens and Bengals at home, so maybe that's a little skewed. Yeah. Um, the Lions, 4-4 four and four at home, averaged 32 points a game, which is 30, scored 31 touchdowns in the Dome this year, which is nuts. Yeah. You have 27. On the road, two and three, they score 18 points a game, 14-point drop-off, and they still give up 26 a game. I know they've played better recently. So do you buy into the, the Dome team outside and the Jared Goff, Bay Area kid, Cal Berkeley, Rams now playing in a Dome? You buy all that stuff because I, I think sometimes we talk about it and we, everyone's like, oh, see, this will happen. But I don't know. Look through history. The Saints, even teams like the Rams, they go into that mm-hmm. cold weather. And I'm not saying it's going to be frigid, but, you know, 35 and in MetLife, that wind starts swirling. It's not uh, it's not pleasant to sit in. So I can only imagine how it is playing. Yeah, it definitely hits different. And I do buy into it. Like there are players, obviously, who are on the lines. There's, there's going to be tons of players who are like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've played in this weather before, but like there is a factor of having being in a dome half of the year that will always come into play. Uh, and it, it's just unavoidable. So uh, I think it will be a factor. And I think I didn't even know that stat about golf. That is wild. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously even more so you, you can see that it's definitely going to be a factor there. Um, uh, it, yeah, obviously what, whatever wind may happen, whatever uh, elements and factors, I think just the fact that it's a completely different environment. There's a lot of teams. Uh, oh, there was an article, I believe it was like two weeks ago, about um, coaches that preferred to hold practices outdoors uh, because you know a lot of a lot of teams started moving towards the indoor facility because they're like, oh, we want to like make sure that we're prioritizing player comfort. A lot of coaches have started moving away from that just to be like, no, you're going to be playing outside in the game, so you're going to be you know practicing outside. So um, yeah, I really do think it's a factor. Yeah, no, and and you look. Uh, there's the other stat. I know Connor and Joe brought it up. I've seen it kind of floating around Twitter. Jared Goff is 0-4 in his last four against Robert Sala. I do think that certain guys, scheme-wise, we've, we've seen this earlier in the year, and I think, you know, you probably know this better than anybody. When Sala's faced guys that have – it's I know it's old brick and, and, and the floor as well, but we'll just – for the lack of, um, you know, trying to explain. Like, when Sala's faced guys that he's either familiar with their scheme – you know, coached against or, you know, coached with in the past, it feels like over the last two years, but specifically this year, they've done a really nice job of, you know, I I know Skylar Thompson and all that stuff, but I feel like the Jets had a really nice plan. And by the way, I'm just going to say this. I'm not trying to bash from Manuel Acho because it's happened too much. The Chargers were not the first team that got physical with Miami's receivers. The the Jets and the Niners did quite enough of that. Um, Yep. I just wanted to make that point because I saw that floating around. Oh, the Chargers found a new – no, the Jets clogged up the middle of the field as well and held them to, you know, the 17 points. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think, again, that's another thing where – I know they're familiar with each other. He's seen golf a lot. Do you think that plays into it or is it 
you know, could it be an advantage for Jared Goff too, saying, you know, I've seen this before. I have a really nice offensive line. We potentially, we'll get into in a second. We might not see Quinn and Williams. We're not sure yet. Uh, right. You think that plays into it a little bit as well, the familiarity between opponents? Yeah, I think for sure it does. Yeah, I think there's certain, um, there's certain things that get locked into certain players in terms of their tendencies that it's hard for them to overcome. Uh, and I think the other way around, it does, there's some elements there where Goff knows, like, cool, I know what Saul's going to throw at me. I know what uh, schemes he likes. I know what coverages he likes. And I know that how we're going to try to attack that. But at the end of the day, I do think that a lot of the time, the uh, the player tendencies are harder to overcome than the schematic ones. Because uh, the schematic ones can change on a dime. Uh, and the players have a big part of that, right? But the player tendencies, like, sometimes they're just baked into your character, baked into your nature. And I think a big one for Goff is, he can't move. <laughs> so uh, the Jets are great at collapsing pocket, particularly from the outside with uh, with Bryce Huff. So, um, and obviously Carl Lawson. Uh, yeah, it's crazy that Bryce Huff is now the first name that pops into my mind. So good on him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, obviously that's what the Jets do well. So if they're, if they're collapsing pocket well on the outside, they got a statue in there. He's throwing, uh, um, they're throwing everything else around the, uh, on defense in terms of uh, the coverages. Like they're going to have success more often than they're not versus Jared Goff because the one thing, you know, the things he can't change are his physical attributes. And then a lot of times he has tendencies mentally to make certain uh, decisions as well. So those are a lot harder to change than the whole scheme. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I know it's the easy thing to go back to, but I, that the Mike Giardi report from before the Super Bowl about Goff going to shit his pants in this game. It, it, and then he did. I don't mean to bash the guy. He's actually, I, I think Joe made this point as well. He gets more hate than he should. Look, he's yeah. put up nice numbers. He got a big contract that was deservedly so at the time. The Rams started to fall apart a little bit, it felt like, or he did. It, it was a, it's a mix. But um, I want to hit on Quinn Williams a little bit. One, yeah. I want to hit, like, your impression of how good he was against Buffalo. But two, how big of a loss would he be if he doesn't play? Obviously, again, it's 50-50 right now. I would say if he doesn't practice tomorrow, it's unlikely. We'll see him. Maybe they're thinking he has, you know, they have a game four days later. Um, how good was he against the Bills, and how big of a loss would he be? I know it's obvious he'd be a big loss, but just how big? Because that that D line, that D tackle room is a little lighter than the, the edge group. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a sneaky light situation, right? Like I think you don't think about it until uh, someone like Quinn and like is off the field, and you're like, oh right. <laughs> I think that's what happened last week. Is a lot of yeah, a lot of, of Solomon Thomas. Yeah, exactly. A lot of folks, including myself, were just kind of like. Damn, like such a kind of rough situation. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I think it's it's definitely going to affect the game plan significantly. Um, the great thing is that they have depth on the air, the other areas around the defensive line, so they can rotate a little bit more. Uh, so someone like Josh Franklin Myers might kick inside some a little more often than he would normally. Uh, obviously, getting Sheldon Rankins back was so timely. Uh, really, like as, as unlucky as the Jets have been overall, that was a crazy lucky situation having him come back and then immediately needing him to kind of step up into a, an increased role so um you're gonna see a lot of that and i think that will that will mitigate a lot of it but i think the quinn and williams that we saw in the buffalo game you can't replace that and that is i i, I was incredibly impressed i think it's what we've been uh waiting for for a super long time i remember just talking with uh, fans on obviously on Twitter uh, and I feel like a lot of the previous sentiment and uh, not to like you know just give an overall like history of his career I guess but like it just it's good to see um, I think a lot of the discussions before were just like hey he's 
he's at this level and that's all right like and you're being you're expecting too much you're being too hard and i think this level of quinton williams is what we've been like no this is there <laughs> and it's what he's been trying to tell people of like no 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 like you're saying like i did okay but i want to get to the fletcher cox level i want to get to that other level like that's what i'm aiming for i'm not trying to be like a regular guy <laughs> And I think kind of seeing him break out into that this year has been awesome. So, yeah, he he was incredible on on on, uh, on Sunday. Me and you went back and forth a lot about it, and I think it was something that the post you know postseason presser, all these guys kind of you know I want to work, I want to get bigger, faster, stronger. And yeah. Quinn's gotten really good at saying you know the Alabama stuff. Obviously, the the viral clip back in the day of being like, you know, Kyler Murray is not what you think he is, and then he kind of stopped himself. Huh. Um, although Kyler Murray is kind of what Quinn thought he was. Um, it is interesting when you look at he had such high expectations himself. And I think that we, you know, people cover the Jets, fans, whatever. When you're third overall pick and you see Aaron Donald getting 18, 20 sacks a year, it feels like it skews what you're thought of as a dominant defensive tackle. And I think we, we should have probably been looking at Quinton through a lens of what are Fletcher Cox, you know, Javon Hargrave or, you know, Chris Jones, who is kind of his direct competition right now, Jeffrey yeah. Simmons, like that's, and then Jeffrey Simmons has the four sack game right after Quinnen says he wants to have a big year. And you're like, Oh my God, this is yeah. brutal. And then he comes out this year and it hasn't felt like there's been a game where he hasn't made at least one play. There's been obviously yeah. games like Buffalo or, you know, I can't even think off the top of my head right now. There's been games where he's had four or five, six plays. You're like, Jesus, this is insane. The Patriot first yes. Patriots stuff. Last year, it felt like he had two or three really big games, two or three games was like, okay. And then the rest, like, I don't think he had a quarterback pressure after week 11 last year. And you're like, I know he got banged up and stuff. And you're like, eh, like he had a nice year, but you know, seven and a half sacks wasn't dominant. Um, the scheme's supposed to, you know, now he's in the natural three tech spot. Like what's going on here. And now right. it's kind of all coming together. He's still 20. He just turned 25, you know, that grown man strength. And he only really played in a year at Alabama. So yeah, it's nice to see. He's obviously going to get paid, you know, big, big, big time. And, I hope for his sake and for the Jets, he's able to go this weekend. And if not, he's able to go Thursday because he's a legitimate shot at 15 sacks yep. as a defensive tackle. And I know we talk about sauce a lot and, and rightfully so, and we'll get to that in a second, but he's a guy that outside of Nick Bosa, and Michael Parsons, why is he not a top five defensive player of the year guy? Um, I'm not saying he's going to, I don't know if he'll get there. Um, I think he's the first team all pro and stuff, but. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> what 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 else do you want to see from him? He's the most dominant exactly. player on a top three defense in the league. That's kind of what the recipe is for. If they get in the playoffs, I think you'll see people um, kind of really start to see what Quinn Williams – you're starting to see it. You yeah. know, Marcus Spears and those guys are, are big Quinn fans. But yeah. you're starting to see people that traditionally wouldn't care about the Jets starting to pay attention to them. Um, yeah. I want to ask you quickly, and, and this is kind of a – it might be a – I don't want to say it's a dumb question, and we kind of both know the answer. but is it fair to say Sauce has not only arrived as a superstar at this point because of the way he's treated by the other opposing 31 fans? I think that's that true sentiment of, like, you've made it, right? Like, every time Jalen Ramsey yes. – I know he's not quite as good as he used to be, 
But anytime Jalen Ramsey gives a five-yard catch, like, this guy sucks. And it's like, <laughs> he's been a top five corner in football for like 10 years. Like he's, he's yep. pretty good. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I think that's, that's the best part about it is uh, as the season progressed, everyone's like, oh, I want a reason to get on this player. I want a reason to say that he's terrible. I want a reason to like just dunk on him. And he's given them nothing. <laughs> and like, it's it's so beautiful because it's literally like you have to pick out stuff. Like he it's, happens he's to like one play since, pinch a jersey on someone. <laughs> he has one play since like week three. And yep. week three was in zone. The, the Chase Claypool and the driving rain where Chase Claypool kind of kind of like clothesline sauce as well, for being honest about <laughs> exactly. it. Um, I don't know. Like you saw the stat today. He's 18, whatever, last 18 targets in man coverage. He's getting, you know, 17 incompletions. Like, yep. what else do you want from this guy? It's hard it's, enough to play corner in the league. Exactly. This is the hardest time that I think probably in NFL history that it's been to play that position. And he's playing it like that. Like, it's special. Yeah. It's special. And, and he's... He's facing the same guys that, like, I think this is the crazy part for me, is when he gets the matchups against teams like the Vikings and the Bills, twice with the Bills now, where it's like, damn, this is the this is the test. It's not like, we oh, we're not going to see the test for him for, like, a while, and next year he's going to get the test. No, he had the test now. <laughs> he had Diggs. He had Justin Jefferson. He had the test, you know, and then we saw him, and we're like, damn, this is it. Like, yeah, uh, he had it. Jamar Chase, and then he's got – he's had games yep. where – yeah, you know, covering Alan Lazard's a little different than Jamar Chase or whoever it is, but he's gotten tested by the Jets' schedule. Has I know you could look at it on either side. His biggest test, the, I think, the guy that honestly humbled him the most was Amari Cooper. And yes. Amari Cooper is a top five, you know, probably route runner in football. I know, you know, look, I think anyone looking back should have taken a fifth round pick flyer for, for Amari Cooper. That honestly. was pretty stupid. But um, I, I wanted to ask you on the the offensive side of the ball and. Zach Wilson was bumped up to number two, rightfully so. I think as much as for some reason I get a lot of I'm obsessed with Mike White. I'm not obsessed with Mike White. I like competent quarterback play. And I think Zach was not playing at a level and, you know, not even playing a level in which you could be a backup at the time. Joe Flacco obviously was was putrid on the three plays. I've said this before, the Carter fumble, the Mosley play, and the Flacco three plays were the difference in the game. Yeah. Um, but – do you think like where are you at with Mike White? Because obviously everyone knows he's tough and everyone knows how much the locker room loves him. But are you satisfied with the play on the field? Because for whatever reason, the quarterback record keeps coming into play and no one's talking <laughs> about the fact that the offense put up 500 yards back to back weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. It's a funny yeah. It's a funny omission that, that folks keep going, going with there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he's obviously the guy to go the rest of the way this season. Uh, I think it's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next season. Uh, but I think the great part about Mike White uh, and why it's important for the rest of the season, however long it may be, is he is the template. <laughs> and you can tell that he is that because of how comfortable the coaching staff is with him, how much that, you know, the offense coordinator feels like he can basically run the offense through him and be that quarterback in the booth. Uh, whereas like before it felt disconnected. It felt like Michael Fur wanted to do things, but the, you know, the, I don't want to say like a puppet, but like the, the, the avenue in which he wanted to run his offense through was kind of like, no, I actually want to do it this way. Right. And they're kind of at loggerheads there where it feels like with Mike White, Mike White can uh, execute the vision that he has perfectly. Um, 
So at the very least, they have the prototype that they need in order to you know, find something else in the future, which I think is perfect. And the most important thing now, like for this season is they have to max it out. <laughs> and so uh, obviously Mike White is like, he has his limitations. They don't do a lot of rollouts anymore. They seem to like, just try to keep him, um, like keep everything regular and keep him still and do not do a lot of, uh, not do a lot of the stuff that they used to do with Zach. But uh, I think this offense needs accuracy and he provides that. Uh, and I think that's more important than anything else. And I know a lot of the like, uh, obviously red zone is going to come up in the conversation, which I think was honestly, this is kind of the hard part about this is they didn't get to the red zone a lot when, when um, you know, the later parts of Zach being under center. Uh, I do think those issues probably would have been there a little bit, even with Zach under center, regardless. Um, so I don't think that's a particular Mike White thing. But yeah, I, I think a lot of the situational stuff is going to get figured out just with schematics and um, LaFleur probably just trying to tra- change up his uh, his sequencing and then his strategy overall. But uh, yeah, I think Mike White's executing the offense like they want him to when the offensive line is doing their job. He's almost doing all the hard stuff that Jets quarterbacks haven't been able to do for the last six, seven years is yeah. move the ball between the 20s. Um, I look, I, I, I don't know if you, everyone asked about the red zone stuff. I, I think two things. One, the opening script things with, with the floor. I mean, Meeks mentioned this on, on Tuesday or Wednesday. I almost, I almost feel like it's, they need to run. They almost need to pass to be able to run. And, and I know the opposite is pretty much everyone always says, you know, run to set up play action, which sets up the pass and defense have to load the box. Yes, that's all true. Generally speaking, that's a traditional, you know, NFL thing. Right. That said, with the Jets right now, it feels like when they get in rhythm, they start quick hitting, quick hitters on passes. They're down. Now all of a sudden it's second and three. Even if there's an incomplete there, they're in third and three. Now they're in a pass run situation where defense have to respect it. They have to they have to either load up the box and there's an, you know, open, you know, Garrett Wilson's going to beat anybody one-on-one or vice versa. It's third and three. They run the football against a lighter box. Then they start to run like the bears game to me. I know the bears suck. That's all fair. But that opening script was let's get them some easy completions, get the ball out to the backs, get the ball right. out to some of the receivers. Everyone's already kind of engaged and involved. They got Elijah involved early, Garrett involved with tight ends, spread the ball around. Now we get in the red zone. You know, we, we get Garrett Wilson involved. Now the Bears have to sit in more of a – they have to sit and cover two the rest of the game right. and cover three and quarters, and now there's favorable matchups for Bam, um, you know, Carter, Johnson, whoever they're going to use um, outside of night on, on Sunday. Yeah. That – and then in the red zone, it's adjusting to having a quarterback who isn't super mobile. That's all fair. But even with Zach, like, I don't know. And they ran, what, maybe a total of 10. I'd have to look it up. Between six and 10, you know – zone reads where Zach kept the ball right. in the last two years total. And yeah. it didn't even work every time. So right. I would like to see them use quarterback sneak more. I know people complained about that in the yeah. Vikings game. Mike White is 6'5", 225. Like I, he'll be okay. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. <laughs> he tried to run, he tried to run uh, some of the Vikings over. It didn't, didn't go great. Didn't go terrible, right. but it didn't go great. Deal. Um, but you know, just being more disciplined, kind of getting back to a traditional red zone offense, as opposed to yeah. having to be gadgety with barriers. Connor Hughes reported it, and I understand it. They like to use Barrios in those spots and with the jet sweeps as opposed to Elijah because Barrios is a kick returner. He's a more sturdier build. They think that like he can make a guy miss, which he had been doing a good job of, but right now he's not. And yeah. if he's not doing that, then he, just the usefulness on offense. Although he actually made a really impressive catch that I hope snapped him out of it a little bit. Um, one of yeah. you know White's best throws of the day, if not his best throw. Quickly about Garrett Wilson, then we'll kind of get into, you know, 
what we think is going to happen on Sunday. Are we overstating it that like he's one of the 10 best receivers in the league right now? Because, I mean, am I crazy? I don't know. If you really start counting it off, who's really this last three weeks, who's playing that much better than him? Like not many guys. It's so not like, many Tyreek, like, sure. You get right. those guys, but that next crop right. of guys, like I, who, like currently who's playing actually better than him. There's, there's not many. Exactly. Once you start getting out of like probably the top, like seven, eight, you're like, Oh, hold on. <laughs> like, wait, there's like, 21, there's 21 year old playing with Mike White, Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. No, that's that part of it. That part of it, I feel like is not being talked about enough because uh, as much as, uh, man, it's crazy. Cause this is what we've been kind of saying for years as Jets fans is like, as much as, the quarterback situation can fluctuate and things like that. You look historically at other teams and teams that have been like in this type of quarterback purgatory that people feel like the Jets are in. When they get a guy at wide receiver, all of a sudden things start stabilizing, right? And uh, I feel like that is what like Garrett Wilson's brought to the Jets. And I think it's part of the reason why obviously for him, he was so like adamant and, uh, you know, emotional about like okay we need to figure out what's going on with the offense before they they decided to put Mike White under center because he's like I I know what I'm capable of and I know what I'm doing to these these DBs and that <laughs> that level of confidence is like yeah no that's a that's a good that's a guy that's the dude that like you can you can build a right receiver core around uh and like it's just it's different and it's funny because obviously last year with Elijah Moore people like man this this is talent like this this is someone like you're probably going to have a long-term plan for, but with Garrett, it's like, this is another level. And I think you, you kind of see like in, in general, you're seeing, seeing this around the roster with the jets a lot. That's how far off they were. <laughs> like when, once, once you see, like you, you saw somewhere you're like, Oh yeah, I think this is a guy. And then you actually see the guy and you're like, damn, wow. So we actually need multiple of, of like Elijah Moore's. And then we need that stacked with a Garrett Wilson type. Um, Look at the running back room. The running back room is a perfect example. Michael Carter, a really nice rookie here. He showed Mm -hmm. some nice flashes. The Jets then brought in two other running backs. You're like, whoa, (laughs) okay, this is this is certainly something. Cornerbacks the same way. Right. Oh, this. You know, these guys played nicely last year. Or right. You know, you look at the. You know, even the defensive line. There's just oh, like the drop off to, you know, I don't know. You could go on. There's a million guys, but like even at linebacker, you look at all these things. It's just the difference in talent on the roster of, yeah. okay, you know, those guys, and everyone's kind of proper outside of obviously maybe quarterback or a couple other spots, everyone's kind of properly slotted as like, there's no real, like this guy shouldn't be an NFL starter. Like there was a lot of that the last couple of years where, oh, there's some nice pieces, but there's seven guys on offense and four in the defense that probably don't start for outside of maybe two or three other teams. Exactly. And now you're looking at, you know, Jordan Jenkins, nice player. They had six, seven sacks from effort sacks. Like, Okay, his sacks felt a little different than, you know, Bryce Hoff or Carl Austin and JFF and these guys. So no offense yeah. to Jordan, you know, great chat, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, kind of looking forward to two questions. One, do they need to go 4-0, 3-1? Like, where do you where do you feel like happens, you know, record-wise? Like, what do they actually need to get to to get in the playoffs? Because I know, yeah. yes, I'm sure they could go 2-2. Two and two, uh, But with the tiebreakers, it feels like they, they really got to get three wins out of these next four. Yeah, I, I think – I know fans will not be uh well I'll I'll try to I'll I'll give the hard part and I'll give the 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 good answer after that. I I honestly think that they have to win out. Um I think the way that things have started to break 
somehow, which I did not think it would be this way. I thought the AFC East would start regressing to the mean and things would just normalize. I honestly think these AFC East teams are, are just cranking. I think they're playing way better than anybody else. I think they're going to be a problem for anybody outside their division. Um, so I think the Jets do need to win out, unfortunately. Uh, the good news is that I actually really think they can. I think these these are really favorable matchups. Uh, the Jags wants a sneaky one. That's Doug Peterson's a very good winter coach. <laughs> so I think he's done it they before. Have, yeah, exactly. He he's a seasoned one there. So I think that's going to be a tougher matchup than I, fo- I think folks are anticipating. But I think if they can get on a roll and if they can they can start reeling off a couple consecutively, we all see how good they are when they're rolling. Uh, so I, I think uh, I think they actually are very capable of going uh, or winning out for us the season getting in. So yeah, I think the sneaky. This is the pie that I think this might be the hardest game left in the schedule. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's like it's getting that first one out of the way and making yeah. it okay. Now you start rolling. We're back in the win column. We're home again in four days, in yeah. this, likely in the snow, facing a team from Florida that on the road has not been good. And right. okay, now we now we're eight and six. Now you're really or nine and six, whatever. You're really rolling. Seattle likely will be eliminated uh, or could be eliminated by the time they play right. uh, week seventeen or week eighteen, week seventeen, whatever it is, New Year's Day. And if a team on New Year's Day is playing and they're race eliminated, you can kind of pencil that one into one team's try and the other one's not. <laughs> I believe the Seahawks have the Niners tonight, depending on what happens. Yeah. They have the Chiefs next week. <laughs> They've lost four or five in a row. I, I don't really see the Seahawks be having that same level of juice. And then you go into Miami, and I think Miami is the team the Jets are really competing with. I don't see New England. Yeah. Uh, I think New England might get another win. I don't, I don't see them winning more than maybe one, if not two at best, getting the mm-hmm. nine. Miami's schedule, I think, is what Jets fans, you know, should really be paying attention to. Yes, the Chargers, the Chargers lose and the Jets win this weekend. The Jets have a better interconference record and they have better common opponent record. They'll be fine. Miami's obviously in Buffalo this weekend. Yes, could they win in Buffalo? Sure. I don't love the, I don't love that spot for them. And they, you know, are already complaining about sleep schedules and time. And then they've got Green Bay, who very much could still be in it. And Aaron Rodgers in prime time, whatever people think of him, is still probably the best quarterback in the league in prime time. Yeah. And then <laughs> they got New England and the Jets. I don't, I just don't know that they're this given. They're going to go three and one. If Miami goes two and two, and the Jets go three and one, four and one, four, three and one, four and zero, oh, they have a very good shot. So we'll, we'll end on this Sunday. What do you, what do you think happens? Do they, the Jets get back in the win column, or is it going to be the Jared Goff, uh, Jared Goff show? I think I think we're back in the win column. Uh, I think we we start to get the new version of uh, MetLife in December uh, for the next few. Uh, Let's hope for the next. Yeah, you know, I shouldn't say few for the next many years. Uh, we get the new new December MetLife. Uh, uh, it's just I feel like it's going to be a great atmosphere, and I feel like offense is going to start popping again. Um, I think they've had a lot of bad luck with weather lately, and like just general circumstance with injuries. Uh, so I do think it's going to be a, a, a good a good setup on uh, on Sunday, and uh, I'm going to say twenty seven fourteen. I was going to go twenty eight thirteen, so we're on the same page. <laughs> I think it could be one of those. It's twenty to thirteen, or, you know, thirteen thirteen for a while. Twenty yeah. thirteen. The Jets score early; they'll be in, they'll be in good shape. I do not think they can sit there and play the game of uh, you know making you know having them basically be able to you know hang around zero zero and hoping their defense can run out for four quarters you can't do that but the offense can get rolling early i think you know quote unquote you know get get a couple quick ones early and and they'll be in a good spot but obviously make sure anyone's following dan on twitter 
all of his, you know, his work, film room. Obviously, anyone listening probably familiar with the stuff from Badlands and all that stuff. Obviously, appreciate you hopping on, and you know, hopefully, we'll get to see another Dominic Quinning game on uh, on Sunday. Yes, sir. I I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you one question yeah. real quick. Sorry, I don't know if you talked about this this week already, but I heard about the Aaron Rodgers rumors. I They're would, starting to bubble up some more. So, how you I would, I would, I would, I would do it. That said. <laughs> I would need to know he's all in for more than a year. If he's in yeah. for two years and he's going to play out the rest of the deal, I'm in. If he's only going to be here for a year, honestly, I would still be in. Like, I'd still be in. I, I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I know people are going to be mad about that. The dude won back-to-back MVPs, and he had a he has a fractured thumb. Like, he's he's not washed. He clearly kind of went. If he comes here and knows, okay, I've got. I'm not saying Gary Wilson's Devontae, but the offensive line should be better. He's got a million running backs, which he loves to throw the ball to. He's got a million receivers and elite defense. And he can play, you know, he can play in the Northeast. I don't know if he'll love, like, I don't know how he'd be in New York, but I, w- I would pull a trigger depending upon how, like, I don't know how the pick situation would work. Yeah. Uh, but he'd be a guy that I-, I still think it'll be my gut feeling, unless something changes in the next four weeks, will be it's Mike White competing with either a high upside rookie or, or Mike White backing up one of you know the jimmy g Carr rogers level guys right. you know pipe dreams obviously lamar but i yeah. just don't i don't i know everyone keeps saying it there i'd be hard pressed to know if zach it's really going to be zach again next year i just don't know how you have a guy yeah. competing for the job in the same building where the teammates I'm not sure the respect level is uh quite what people would like it to be yeah for sure <laughs> would yeah. you pull it would you would you do it or no you'd be i as of right now I might do it, honestly. Yeah. Unless Mike White all of a sudden goes 4-0 here and they win a playoff game, then that's a whole different story. It's basically done at that point, yeah. Yeah, then, yeah. That's, <laughs> then it's over. <laughs> no, I appreciate yeah. everybody for listening. Connor Hughes will be on tomorrow, so I'll have that episode coming out Saturday. But everyone, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys uh, later this week.